Hello, hello, and welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. Tony here once again. And once again, I want to talk about how things are going to be changing this year. In particular, today I want to talk about the job market. So many of you I know are job hunting. I have done more job hunting coaching in the last 12 months than I think I've done in the previous five years. I think a lot of people came to me last year with, I've been trying job hunting and it's just not working because the market has shifted. And what we are now seeing is how it's going to play out in 2024. So this is a special episode. I slotted this in. My team will be a little bit like, whoa, what happened, Tony? That wasn't the plan because we plan our episodes quite a long way in advance. But I was thinking to myself when I was talking to some clients the other day, we need to have this conversation. We need to be talking about the critical mistakes I see people making when they're job hunting because the job hunt has changed and it is still changing and evolving. So I want to share with you today, if you are job hunting this year, the things you need to be doing and things you need to make sure you're not doing. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. 2023 was tough. It was a really tough year for tech. 2022, the end of it was tough, but we had 100,000 more tech people laid off in 2023 compared to 2022. All the big tech giants laid off good talent, great talent. That flooded the market with that great talent. That meant that even though there were actually a lot of jobs available last year, this is something I think many people were panicking about. There aren't that many jobs. There are plenty of jobs available. But there was so much talent that every single job was getting hundreds of applicants, potentially. There is still this air of needing to right-size companies. During the pandemic, many companies grew without a clear plan for how to use that long-term. There was a, there was a, a reaction to this need to do something with the pandemic. A lot of tech companies benefited from the pandemic because of the technology they're producing, helped solve a problem in some way. People's patterns shifted. We were using technology more. We were going out less as a species. So a lot of tech companies grew during the pandemic, but without realizing that change was not going to be permanent. And so while the last 18 months have been tumultuous, over 95% of tech companies are still undergoing some form of talent restructure. There is still this lingering aftermath. And as much as I would love to say it's not there, it is. <laughs> I do think 2024 is going to be a lot better, but tech firms have still got to right size. They overspent their headcount and they are still realigning. Great companies are doing right sizing by allowing it to be through natural attrition. They're restructuring things like AI play into this. A lot of companies realize AI isn't replacing as many jobs as they thought it might. And so what they're actually doing is upskilling their team, bringing AI in for certain roles, and therefore allowing more people to keep their jobs. Because AI at the moment can only do so much. So the good news is that those concerns about AI replacing all of our jobs is bearing fruit, at least in tech. It is in other industries. 
If you work in a role where it's design heavy, you're producing content of any time, it can still be that AI is coming in. But with tech, a lot of the tech industry still needs us. Um, By us, I mean sales, marketing, HR. I don't just mean the engineers, right? I mean the tech company infrastructure. We haven't yet got AI replacing all those core functions. We are bringing more and more technology in as we've done for 50 years or more, right? More and more technology is coming into every single one of these companies and our roles are changing. You think about this. What you learned in college, whether it was five years ago or 50, is obsolete. That is the nature of working in tech. It's part of what I love about the tech industry. So if you are embracing that change, then embrace AI in the sense that it's going to enhance your role instead of compete with it. So that's the good news. The other piece of good news is cloud is going to grow fast this year. Cloud is a great place to be alongside AI. A lot of people are being so focused on AI, they've really kind of skipped that cloud is still big and getting bigger. Cloud is estimated to grow to $679 billion this year. And it's expected to hit the 1 trillion mark by 2027. So there are going to be huge numbers of cloud jobs this year. Cloud engineering, companies that are building cloud, using cloud, they are great places to be looking at this year. So don't think that AI is the only place to be. (laughs) Of course, generative AI is a huge area of investment. Large companies are creating their own AI models from scratch. Smaller companies won't have the budget for this, but need experts to integrate that into their own workplaces. That requires specialism and expertise. It also requires leadership that is not afraid of it. It requires support teams not afraid of it, whether that is sales, marketing, HR, product. AI is this huge growth area and it's not going anywhere soon. I think AI really is going to be here for a very long time. But with all that said and done, if you're a job hunting this year, you need to make sure you're doing it right. So knowing which industries are hiring is going to help you. But there are seven mistakes I have seen people making, which honestly, two years ago, you could get away with, which you cannot do anymore. In such a hot market, when it's hot in terms of competition, you need to be on point. So here are my seven critical mistakes that you need to make sure you avoid if you are job hunting in 2024. The first one is not understanding your career path. Are you aiming for a leadership position, a senior management role? Are you aiming for a technical leader, senior individual contributor? Who do you want to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time? Have a look at your career trajectory. Have a plan. Now, obviously around here, we talk about leadership a lot. So I'm going to assume some sort of leadership. If you are aiming for a leadership position or a senior management role, you need to be focused on developing your business acumen and deeper knowledge over the entire industry. This is about breadth and experience because ultimately you will need to be able to manage teams where you have never been an individual contributor in that field. You need to be comfortable talking to such people. You need to have breadth of information and be able to understand all those technical specialities because that is what is going to sell you and you need that business acumen. I will say to my clients, if you want to become a senior leader, you need to talk business more than you talk tech. You talk tech with your team, but to get the buy-in from the rest of the company, you talk business. You need to be talking dollars. You need to be talking about impact. You need to be talking return on revenue, return on investment. Everything like that needs to come in. You need to know things like the TAM, even if you aren't in an area where you're doing the business modeling. It is just so important that you understand business language and you speak that way to everybody else in the business. 
So if you are heading for a senior leadership role, you need to make sure that you are developing those skills instead of just diving deep into the technical stuff. But if you want to pursue an IC, an individual contributor, technical leadership role, where you are there as an individual contributor, but you are shown that thought leadership, then it is all about depth. Go deep in your chosen area. Don't flit around. They're both leadership roles, but they're very, very different. The mistake I see people make is not know which one they want, try and do both, and they're not good at either. I see they need to focus down, not on breadth. So of course, there's an exception to every rule. I will say this to all my clients. There are no real rules out there, I think, for this kind of stuff. Every single rule I've ever come across, I can find somebody who will counter it, right? But generally speaking, you are going to find it easier if you know where you're headed and you focus accordingly. I do know, for example, that there are individual contributors where they focused on breadth. That has been what they've done. To some extent, that was me before I moved into leadership. I'd almost argue when that happens, you've gone deep in a special niche. You've gone deep in cross-functional problem solving. So actually your depth is recognizing the way you want to be an IC is to provide that problem solving, which requires breadth, right? (laughs) So it's about understanding really clearly what you want to do. Whatever you do this year, make sure you understand your career goals and plan accordingly. One of the things I do with my community every year is we plan out our career. We update our career goals because it should be fluid, shouldn't be static, shouldn't be set in stone. The world changes around us. Our plans need to change as well. And anybody we work with, if they don't have a career plan, that's one of the first things I want to do with them. Whether we are working with them on their leadership development or we're working with them on the job hunt or first 90 days, the three things we do. I'm always like, what's your career plan? Why are we here? So we've got that longer term lens as well as a short term lens. So remember, if you aren't sure about your career options, make a decision. Because sometimes making a decision, getting off the fence and taking action gives you the quickest route to clarity. Failing to make the decision and then focusing on being in this limbo means you aren't going to progress in your career and you aren't going to interview well either. Okay, critical mistake number two, failing to understand the job market. While tech as a whole is struggling right now, there are pockets of intense growth. AI, cloud being two of them. Well, one area is pinching in a downturn, another can be in an upturn. But understanding what is on the up and what isn't so you can position yourself accordingly is paramount. But don't fall into the trap of pivoting your career based on these trends. It more ties into what kind of companies are like to be hiring. That pivoting ties into that critical mistake number one. You need to have true deep knowledge relevant to your industry. And if you're always flitting around, then you're never going to get that depth that you need in whatever it is. So get your career plan in place first with critical mistake number one and avoid retraining if you don't need to. So many of us think, oh, if I just retrain in so-and-so field, I'll be in like really valuable for the rest of my career. I remember early in my career, everyone's saying, I just need to train as a data scientist. But the reality was back then, no one knew what data science really was. It was a buzzword, but nobody knew what it was. There weren't any courses out there. I was actually one of the people who was around when universities started to think, oh gosh, we need to put a course together on data science. The university I worked for, my institute, I wasn't involved in this, but my institute suddenly started creating a course on data science. I was like, this is interesting. It's what I've been doing. I had a background handling huge data sets. Well, they were huge at the time. They wouldn't be today. But that meant I could position myself as someone who had those data scientist skills. 
I didn't have the full statistical background, but I got data and I was able to manipulate data, understand how you needed to clean data, how to write algorithms that dealt with data. And so I could position myself as a data scientist. I'm seeing the same thing today with AI. We are now getting to a point where there is good AI training out there, but the industry is moving so fast. It's almost impossible to stay up to date, even if you are in AI itself. So if you know AI is on your career path, figure out what you can do at a minimum to help build yourself in that direction. You don't need to go retrain and you definitely do not need to go back to the bottom of your career path and start again. So you understand the job market is really, really key. Understand where there are likely to be jobs, but that doesn't mean you need to retrain. You just got to figure out how can I find the place that's going to benefit from my skill set, even though I'm not in that specialism. That's where to be looking. Critical mistake number three. This one's a biggie. Not respecting that horrible applicant tracking system, otherwise known as the ATS. I think it could be called, hey, hats. Horrible applicant tracking system, <laughs> not ATS. We now live in an era where even if you are referred, you may well be put through an applicant tracking system. This happened, I think, for the first time this last year. Always, I've said to clients, if you can get a referral, like, it's great. You don't need to worry about the resume being perfect for the ATS. You just need to have it human readable. Last year was the first year in my time as a coach. I've seen that fall flat on its face. <laughs> there are now times, not every single company, but a lot of time when they're getting so many referrals, they're getting so many people coming through the network, they still put every single person through the ATS. So what worked two years ago where you could submit that resume and a recruiter would immediately call you just doesn't happen now. And although I am still a huge advocate for networking your way to a role, something that applies more and more to senior leadership positions where companies are finding that applications to open roles are flooded with hundreds of applicants, you still need to understand the ATS filters and the impact on your ability to land the job. Your resume's role is to get you to that first recruiter screening. Your recruiter screening and your resume then get you through the recruiter screening to the first hiring manager interview. But really, the main point of that resume is to get you to that recruiter screening. So it's got to be readable by the recruiter, understandable by the recruiter. Sometimes a recruiter will pass all resumes on to a hiring manager, not always. So you've got to get past that recruiter first. But the reality is these days, recruiters are so overworked that most of them just rely on the ATS filters. So you've got to get through that AI system. Your interview technique is what lands you the role. Your resume is what gets you the opportunity to do that. So make sure you check through the job and you're using words that are similar to what are in the advert. It is not sufficient to use synonyms of keywords and phrases. The filters are not that clever. They aren't really intelligent. They need the exact same words. Remember, your resume needs to speak robot. It needs to be simple. It needs to be easy to pass. Get rid of the fancy formatting, the tables, the graphics. AI doesn't yet, and this will probably change, deal with that very well. Simple, but with the right keywords wins every time. It's not rocket science, and yet so many of us do not do it. Which brings me to item number four, failing to tailor every application and resume. I've said this before, but 2024 is making this more relevant than ever. And it hinges on the previous critical mistake about the ATS. You now really do have to tailor every application. Please, please just stop using that automatic apply button on LinkedIn. It just uses your LinkedIn profile, which basically means the company you apply for will likely only see what that is and use that as the filter. Your LinkedIn profile and your resume do two different jobs. They do overlap, but your LinkedIn profile is about attracting a recruiter 
and showing the world that you're ready for a role, but it is not tailored to a company. Yes, it feels easy to just click submit, but potentially you're damaging your chances for any future role in that company, not just this one. Take the time to apply for just a fraction of the roles and instead do it well. When you tailor well, you will find that somewhere between 20 and 40% of your applications get passed to the recruiter screening. So you'll get recruiter screening invitations 20 to 40% of the time. That range is based on industry. So you need to understand your industry specifically a little bit. But if you're not tailoring, then the pesky ATS filter is going to kick in and you'll find that it's going to be just getting, you won't necessarily even get a rejection, you'll just get silence. So if after two weeks, you're not getting between 20 and 40% minimum of your applications, giving you a recruiter screening, you need to go back to the drawing board and look at the way you're tailoring. Critical mistake number five, interviewing for a leadership role without understanding that what leadership interviews are all about. I actually started providing support on job hunting for leaders because I realized I was doing all this amazing work up-leveling women and they were doing so well. They were having the confidence to think on their feet, to demonstrate their value to the room, speaking up, um, getting taken seriously, elevating their executive presence, elevating their strategy and process, getting great reputations, but they weren't landing jobs. There is a difference between being a great leader and being great at a leadership interview. So many of us learn how to interview as an individual contributor and stop there. What worked earlier in your career won't work as a leader. Whether you are going for a people leadership role or a senior thought leadership role, you need to talk differently. It changes. This is why I think so many of us just stall in our careers. Not because we don't have great things to offer, because we don't know how to land the jobs. One of the reasons my team and I help leaders land these jobs is that is the only way I'm going to accelerate the careers of these extraordinary women. I thought it was sufficient to work on their leadership skills, confidence, credibility, reputation. But I realized actually so many of us don't know how to do this. And again, women are less likely to get the informal feedback from recruiters that helps us up level. So I want you to make focusing on your leadership interview technique one of your key focuses for this year if you are interviewing. You need to make sure you're focusing on your leadership competencies. You want your answers to shift the focus from technical skills to leadership competencies such as strategic thinking, decision-making, communication, vision, and team building. Even when you're being asked a technical question, you want to answer in the context of leadership instead of as an individual contributor. It's just the shift in the way you talk, the shift in the way you solve problems. You also want to be demonstrating you work as a team. And with your team, instead of always saying I, you say we. There is a subtle lot to this to demonstrate when you have added value there because you do still need to say I appropriately. Like some of the mistake I see is people moving too far and the we did this, we did this, we did this. They're like, what did you do? But in general, most of us, if we're moving into interviewing for leadership roles and we've not practiced this, start using we a bit more. <laughs> Finally, make sure you're demonstrating your ability to think on your feet and solve problems as well as make decisions. This is the bread and butter of leadership. If you can't make decisions quickly and good decisions, you can't make hard decisions, then you aren't the right person for a leadership role. And so part of what is being assessed in a leadership interview is that bread and butter of thinking on your feet, solving problems, making decisions. While hard, if you don't do this, you may well crash and burn if you don't have this process in place. Remember, if you need help with me on this, my team are here to help. My think on your feet formula is one of my favorite things. 
It has been used by hundreds of women in tech to help them speak up at work and interview at that senior level that you know you are ready to showcase your great ideas. Thinking of you is so key to your executive presence. Critical mistake number six, neglecting your personal brand and networking. I've said this so many times on the podcast, but it needs to be said again. To stay ahead of the crowd, you need to demonstrate that you are clear on what you want, what you do, and that you're great at what you do. Once again, LinkedIn is more important than ever. Basically, every tech recruiter uses that exclusively. (laughs) That means you need to be updating your LinkedIn profile to show your relevance for the role you want, not the role you have. You need to be present. You need to be interacting in your area and discipline. We are a world of team players these days. So even in the introverts around here, and I include myself in this, need to be able to demonstrate we participate in community. We know how to network. We are visible online. If you aren't controlling your narrative online, someone else will. Make sure you're taking care of your personal brand and your networking. Okay, critical mistake number seven, the last one. (laughs) Using the same cover letter for every job or worse, failing to provide a cover letter at all. The cover letter may seem old and dated, but there's a reason that so many career coaches, myself included, advocate for them. In the market that is overwhelming hiring managers, your cover letter helps you stand out from the crowd. Your cover letter is your opportunity to demonstrate your knowledge of the company, your vision and ideas for that company, and most important of all, your personality. You cannot put personality in a resume. If you don't know how to write a great cover letter or you are struggling with anything else I mentioned in this episode, then please do come and join us in Lit Up Leisure Academy. It's my coaching program exclusively for women in tech, up-leveling our leadership skills, landing dream jobs, as we have one very important section called the Get Hired Bootcamp precisely for this. If you want to find out more, do head over to tonycollis.com forward slash academy, book a call with me and my team to discuss the type of support you're after, or even just pick up brains on what you're struggling with. But before we wrap up today, I have one final nugget for you on upskilling. With the industry moving fast, it can feel like you always need to be going back to school. And the AI movement makes that feel more true than ever. And so I kind of touched on this at the beginning, but I really want to make sure you understand this and don't make a mistake here. You do not need to go back to school. Right now, I've got clients, one in particular comes to mind, who wants to move into AI, and she also wanted to change her role. So she wanted to move sideways into a sideways role. She wanted to move industries into more AI. She also wanted more senior position. That's a lot to do in one job move, but I'm delighted to say she proved it's possible. She did her homework. She read up on AI. She didn't go and retrain. She did read up on AI. She took a free course, I think, alongside the job hunt. Every interview she had, she improved her knowledge of AI, but she didn't retrain. She landed a role, yes, and in the current market. She actually started a couple of weeks ago at the time of recording this. This current job not only pays four step more than her previous role, but gave her that job title boost that she was after in terms of seniority. She has a bigger team. She's stepping up with those leadership credentials. She's moved sideways into product where she wanted to be, as well as building her AI knowledge. She didn't go back to school. She just learned how to be super strategic with her skills gap. I always talk to people, what is your gap? How can we fill it quickly and efficiently with minimal effort? She sold herself for the role based on the skills she does have, which are invaluable. She didn't try to paint herself as a perfect fit for every single thing. She said, this is what I have. This is why you need me. What can I do for you? I am so proud of her for showing that you can do all this. 
I'm proud of every single one of the women I work with, but this one really shone in terms of she wasn't going to accept anything less. <laughs> she wanted those three things. She wanted the up level, leadership wise. She wanted the sideways move in terms of like being responsible for product. And she wanted to move into a new industry in terms of AI. And she did it. <laughs> I'm so proud of her. So if you are thinking about doing a bit of a pivot, change, moving industries, I want you to know you can do all of that. You do not need to go back to school or start at the bottom again. As my client story demonstrates, you can actually even land a promotion level position, significant pay bumps when you do this right. The key thing is that this lady did have a crystal clear plan. She has a crystal clear career trajectory. She knows who she wants to be. She's passionate about it. Every time I see that, it makes all the difference. That's it for today's podcast. I'd love to hear from you in the comments below this week's episode or over on LinkedIn what your 2024 job hunt goals are and what you plan to implement or do differently to set you apart from the competition. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.